Hey, chiropractors and marketers. We are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I have a nice, wonderful conversation set up for you with Dr. Rob Pape. He is of the Oakland and New York City area, and I say both because, yes, he practices in both areas, and we're going to discuss that a little bit. It's unique. It's working. It's something that's not necessarily... um, He's not the only person doing it. I do know of another person doing two different cities in different states. I don't know of anybody doing it on East Coast, West Coast, so it's aggressive, but he's doing it. He's originally from New York, and he lives out in Oakland now, so he's got quite a little following in both areas, which has been great. He's also of FTCA moderate. He's a a moderator of the Facebook group and very active in that group, and a lot of chiropractors know a lot of work he's doing, and so it's exciting to have him on the show. Him and I, I consider him a friend now. We've broken bread together. He's calmed me down prior to our Vegas talk uh, for breakfast. We've had tequila together. Uh, we've had a nice uh, couple chats in person, but the first time we did actually meet, it's one of those weird situations where I knew each other for like a year uh, on Facebook and in private chat, uh, Facebook messenger groups and things like that, talking a lot about different things in chiropractic and FTCA and modern chiropractic marketing group and got to know each other pretty well. And then we finally met at Forward KC, uh, which was exactly a year ago and and actually met in person. And you felt like, oh, I I really know this guy, but it was actually the first time we, we actually seen each other in person. But since then, uh, over the last year, we've definitely talked a lot more. Uh, I bounce things off him. He bounces things off me. It's a nice back and forth, and he helps me out with a lot of stuff. And so I'm really excited to have him on this episode. We dive into a lot of different wide-ranging topics, nothing like really specific for this show as far as like this is what we talked about. It's just a lot of good information, in my opinion, on where chiropractic is, what chiropractic needs to look out, how to make the math work within this profession now financially. So there's a lot of different topics that we talk about and we have a good time doing it. So Rob Pape of Oakland and trying to get him down to to Florida, but he's uh, doing a lot of good things for the profession. Look out for some things he's got coming on. I really, really recommend picking his brain. Uh, he's been in the profession for, for a while. He's seen it all come and go. He knows a lot of good stuff. And so we have a good conversation. Uh, before we dive into that, uh, I do want to introduce the fact that the Motion Palpation Institute, MPI, is now a sponsor of this podcast, and we will be bringing you valuable information uh, that they're doing for chiropractors, veteran chiropractors, experienced new chiropractors, students. They're just doing a lot of amazing things in the profession, and we're going to be collaborating on a few things as well, like a virtual summit coming up in October where we'll be building a better chiropractor. It'll be half clinical and half marketing. And so look out for that. In the time being, they actually have a very good online course uh, that you can purchase different topics, different things like that. But I encourage you to go to www.mpicourses.org and you can see that there. There's all kinds of online courses and then there's also seminars you can check out and register for. 
They've got all kinds of great seminars for doctors and students. And so check that out. I highly encourage you to do that. They were really the backbone of my clinical education outside of school when I was a student and through my formative years as a chiropractor. And I was just back at their sports symposium in Chicago and I really enjoyed it. So I'll be making sure that I go to their their live courses uh, a lot more frequently than I have over the last five or six years. It's going to be a part of my continuing education for sure. So check them out at mpicourses.org and look at some of the information they have. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Rob Pate. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. I really appreciate your time. Obviously, you and I communicate quite a bit. And uh, now we get you on the podcast. I know it won't be the uh, the last time, but uh, introduce yourself a little bit to our audience. Sure, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, first, my name is Rob Pape. I'm a chiropractor. I know you through FTCA. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I live in California. My practice is called Cairo Fitness in Oakland, California. It is a uh, multidisciplinary practice, non-medical multidisciplinary, chiropractic, personal training, acupuncture, dry needling and deep tissue massage and yeah we have a we have a good time in our practice and we 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 co-manage and we love what we do yeah absolutely one of the things we've talked about as well is you also do a little bit of work in in new york city correct this is true how does that how does that work (laughs) (laughs) i had i'd lived in new york city for a while Mm. and moved back to california for for love (laughs) <laughs> for relationship and free, free love in california right is that or that was the 60s you're not you know, you're not that old right my, my brother there is nothing in free in california anymore <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> we'll, we'll get to that but i kept my practice up to some extent in new york in the sense that i manage people's cases and i go back and provide ongoing care as necessary and and co-manage with other practitioners there and i go back every month or so and i get a few new patients every time I go back. It's, it's lovely. I, I, I love going back to New York to do that. That's cool. And it seems like it you've is, got a, yeah. a nice little niche there in, in the city and it's allowed you to do something that I try to, Oh, you know, in this podcast and in the Facebook group, there's always the, the math of being a chiropractor now. And we talk a lot about <laughs> how, how, how it's not working for a lot of people. And, you know, there's examples of people getting, insurance reimbursement that's low and they're spending 30 minutes of one-on-one time with the patient. Uh, There's examples of cash rates that are not, say, equating to what you're doing as far as spending time. I know without getting into the numbers, and I know in New York City, you're you're spending a fair amount of time with a patient, but you are charging a fair amount to say the least. So tell us a little bit about that. My professional career has been mostly on the cash side. I started to accept insurance in California before I moved back to New York and was doing insurance for a few years before Obamacare kicked in. Mm-hmm. I was doing it as a favor to my patients. It was great. Yeah. What I found when I moved to New York was that uh, insurance reimbursement was not great. Um, a lot of chiropractors that are due out of network mm-hmm. and they do this sort of bait and switch to get people in the office saying that they're in network, which is a whole other weird thing we could probably spend an hour talking about. Yeah. But what I have found is that time in different professions means different things. Mm. And in chiropractic, actually, you know, 
one of the things that we say out here is that we're charging for our expertise, not necessarily our time. In New York, I charge for my time. And because I spend 30, 45, 60 minutes with people, mm-hmm. I charge. You know, I, you have accountants. You know, I have a CPA. I have, I have a lawyer. When I get a bill from them, they're hourly. Yeah. Right? Five, yep. $600 an hour in some cases. Easy. Yep. Why shouldn't we be making at least half of that, if not more, mm-hmm. um, if not that per hour? And not having to see 20 people to, in an hour to do so and not having to have a staff of 20 people to manage yep. that scenario. So. Uh, yeah, I'd like to kind of riff on this a little bit. I mean, we, we've talked about it, but I want to dive a little bit deeper on it because there's obviously a lot of ways to go about it. But, you know, and so on the other end of the spectrum, if you are in network with insurances and you're getting the reimbursement and you've decided to do that, it can still work too. You're probably just going to have to play the numbers game and you, you know, you're probably gonna have to see the 30 to 40 people in a day, mm-hmm. uh, at least a few times a week. And then, you know, if you have a couple half days, you're gonna have to see 20, but you're going to have to get into that 150 per week range, in my opinion, if you're in network with everything uh, to make the math work. And now I think to make the math work in that regard, you're going to have to probably have support staff, right? So mm-hmm. you're, because now you're, you're billing codes and you're providing service. Some of them are timed, but if you're doing some soft tissue, doing adjustment, doing exercise, that's quality care, but insurance is not paying for that enough for you to do it by yourself. Cause if you're doing that by yourself, you're really only going to see a couple patients an hour. And let's say, let's just for, for the sake of argument, you're getting $50 a visit. That's a hundred dollars an hour. That's not the math that we need. Now, if you have the support staff and someone's doing the soft tissue for you and you're doing the exams and the adjustments, someone's doing the rehab exercises for you. Now you can start seeing maybe five or six people in an hour. And now you're at, let's just again call reimbursement 50. Now you're at that $250 an hour coming in. And if you do that enough, then the numbers can work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in those cases, you need to know how to run a business. <laughs> you need to know how to hire. You need to know how to manage. You need to know a million different things other than how do I make this person in front of me better? How do I serve them? And I mean, this is where I think what you guys are doing with you and Bobby with CSA is fantastic. Um, chiropractors don't come out of school with the necessary skill set to run that type of business in the large majority of cases. And they don't know what they're getting themselves into in the large majority of cases. Yeah. Because, you know, you're talking about, like you said, you're talking about managing people, communicating with people, hiring the right, knowing how to hire (laughs) and not hiring the wrong people. And there's a lot that goes to it for sure. And so you have to understand what you're, what you're getting into, but you know, there's a lot of good examples of like what you're doing where, you know, you're, you're spending the time, but you're charging appropriately to do it. Now we can get into the whole California thing to where, you almost have to make $600, $600 an hour just to survive out there. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. where, yeah. That's where yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. sometimes like it's almost a, it can be hard to make the math work unless uh, you're in certain areas of California. Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts going on in some of these high price areas? Maybe it's New York City, maybe it's Chicago, maybe it's California. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's really been interesting to watch the evolution of commercial real estate in 
in wh- where I am in o- downtown Oakland, California, where um, 10 years ago, we could get, uh, uh, you know, we, and we have, we have a 2000 square foot space and the rent was, I think 2,700 when we started. Mm-hmm. Now it's well over six yeah. and the lease is up in less than a year. And we've already spoken with our, with our real estate people and it's going to be probably nine. Yeah. Minimum, right. So the question becomes, right. When you look at those numbers, am I able to charge four times or earn four times per patient what I earned 10 years ago. That's hard. And 10 years ago, I was, I was averaging over 75 a visit. Yeah. So that's $300 a visit. So in certain places, I, I, I don't think there's, you know, the, there's a large swath of the country that doesn't have to deal with this yet. And hopefully right. never will, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're at the peak commercial real estate in some ways, and that the pendulum will start to swing back in the other direction. Uh, but there's a big problem in our area where chiropractors are, they've, over the last few years, they've been trying to join forces and uh, share space. But so many of them have been in practice so long as lone wolves that sharing space doesn't really work out. Yeah. And they, they break up. I know of two chiropractors who are now just working out of their homes. They've turned their homes, their garages into offices. Hmm. So folks are hustling. And... Yeah make and do with what they can. When I was in New York, what I was shocked by was how, how little weight people in New York, patients in New York, gave the physical space that you were in. Yeah, yeah. I was working out of a dump yeah. in, in an office uh, just off of Madison Square Garden, not the best neighborhood in, in the city, especially at that point. And I have literal magnates of industry, people who are at the tops of their fields, people who, you know, they're in, we know them, they're in the news all the time. And they're coming in to see me and paying me top, what I consider top dollar. And they don't care at all about the space. So New York has gone through that. California is about to go through that, I think. Yeah. Well, that's a good, it's a good point. Like it's, there's a psychology to where people live. And in New York, you don't need parking. You know, like you said, you could have 400 square feet because people get it like, okay, like it's ridiculous. You know I mean? Yeah. I remember New York shocked me once I was staying at a friend's family's place on Central Park South. There was the Trump Park Plaza. They paid in the millions for this. And I'm expecting this like just extravagant apartment, right? I get in there and I was like, you can't, I couldn't believe how small it was for the, mm. for the price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. So there's a psychology there where in California, they're probably still, the people are still used to like bigger spaces and bigger homes and you know, some of those things. And obviously that's going to change over time when the, the cost is what it is. Example of that. Again, I remember a good buddy of mine's a chiropractor down in South beach. And I remember checking out his new space the first time. And there wasn't like, any parking and then there was a gar- garage but then you had to pay for it and it was like kind of hard to get to his office and i was like that's going to be a problem because i'm thinking of boca raton florida which is we have all plenty of parking everybody has to drive everywhere there's all that but in south beach everybody rides their bikes and walks and do that it's kind of got a kind of a manhattan on the beach type of uh, feel to it and it works completely fine for him Whereas if I didn't have parking, it'd be a huge issue. <laughs> We're going through that right now because of the huge construction boom uh, that's yeah. going on in downtown Oakland right now. All the parking, all the street parking. We have within just a couple of minute walk of our, of our front doors of our office, we have 10 buildings going up. And 
they've basically taken over whole blocks. There's whole blocks where you can't park. Right before this boom started, the city put in what are called Ford bikes, yep. bike share things, and they take up half the block. <laughs> so our patients come downtown now, and most of them drive. We're in California. Everybody drives. Yeah, Everybody drives everywhere. Yep. And there's no parking. We've started to tell people you have to come 15, 20 minutes early. Oh. And you might need to circle the block a few times. You might, yeah. you know, you might want to watch that Seinfeld episode with, with George Costanza circling <laughs> the block because yeah. that's, this is the new reality where we are. And I would have never guessed it. I would have never predicted it. Yeah. And I think overall take, you know, people listening and it doesn't necessarily pertain to them. I think the overarching thought process is that just kind of get the, the lay of the land and, and understand your area and pay attention to the trends Yes. So you can kind of like try to prepare for it as best you can and stay ahead of it as best you can, because if you don't, you're going to run into some, some problems. Sometimes it's inevitable, right? Like absolutely. if rent goes to 9,000, like there's just nothing you can do other than either figure out a way of, uh, I don't know, like you said, charge $300 a visit <laughs> or, or whatever. But you know, it just depends. Like I just, I think the overall thought process is the, is to start looking at trends in your area. Trends are always going to be different for the region and the town and the city you're in, but, but keep hold of it. And I know for me, I, I did that. I, I really pushed the envelope in 2013 to buy my office space because I saw where it was going and I, mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I need to get, if I get an opportunity, I need to try to lock it in. Cause, but this was back in 2013, which obviously commercial down here was still on the low end after the crash in 08. So I got in. Otherwise, you know, my rent in 10 years could be astronomical. So I, yes. I got in, I fixed my mortgage. Obviously, property taxes uh, and things like that are there, but it's something that I was like trying to stay ahead of that curve on that. And so people need to do that, whether it's, the way health insurance is. I know we talked to some docs in Tennessee and their concern with where in-network insurance is going in that particular state. Florida has just been completely cremated by the ASH network, Americans, what is it, specialty health. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, you just got to gotta stay ahead of the trends. You got to prepare for just like other businesses do, different things like that. And um, I think o- overall, it's a great time to be a chiropractor. I know there's a couple things that are going against us right now, but other, other than that, there's a lot of good opportunities. And on that note, what are some of the things you're excited about? You, you, you're one of the guys that I reach out to a lot because you've got a really good pulse on the profession. I think a lot of that has to do with your involvement and your, your intrigue with the profession. Obviously, you're one of the, the main moderators and admins of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance group. So what are some of your things you're excited about? I'm excited about a lot of things. I, it took me a long time to catch up. It took me a couple of years to catch up on the profession because having gone to Life West and coming out and realizing that very quickly that I was one of the few people who saw patient care, not from a subluxation-based model, mm-hmm. a just-adjust model, I sort of isolated myself for a long time. And it wasn't until that I got into FTCA that I started to have an, have access to information from the rest of the profession, not just in my area, not just in the, the country, but in the world. It's really fascinating. When you take the conversation we were just having about being smart, looking at trends, mm-hmm. uh, battening down the hatches and trying to prepare yourself for the long haul, I think we're in a great place for that, actually. Yeah. We really are. Uh, the science backs what we do mm-hmm. more and more every yep. day. 
Um, we have we have these kids coming out of school. They're kids to me. I'm 50 now. They are working in the public health sector or mm-hmm. in these clinics that are public health clinics. They're working in the VA. I know guys work and women working in hospitals. We didn't have that when I came out of chiropractic school in 1996. Exactly. exactly. We didn't have any of that. Chiropractors are at every uh, university, big, big, big university in their sports programs. Chiropractors are on uh, staff for all the professional teams we, we have in this country, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So when I came out of school, and one of the reasons <laughs> when I went to chiropractic school, it was, I wasn't sure I was going to go to chiropractic school, even though I loved my chiropractor. I loved uh, chiropractic for me and for my family. And it helped us so much when I was growing up. But I was looking at physical therapy and I was looking at medicine even. Yeah. And I was in a pre-med track at the University of Maryland. And as I got closer to having to make a decision, I, I started to realize as I, as I looked at it that I didn't want to do either of those other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I got on the phone with my dad and, and said to him, I'm not really sure what to do. This is where I am. This is what I'm looking at. And he goes, well, have you thought about being a chiropractor? I said, no, actually, I haven't. He said, why not? I said, because they're quacks. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, that's not true. I said, yeah, I know that's not true. You know, that's not true. We know that's not true. But on the East Coast in 1990, that was 1991, I'm having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was true for pretty much everybody. And that's not the way it is now. Chiropractic has a foothold in the mainstream. And at the same time, it's just outside the mainstream enough that our wacky kookiness actually is, it's valuable. Mm-hmm. People want different, but they don't want that different necessarily. They want a different way of looking at things, a different model for their health, but they want somebody who went to school. They want somebody who doesn't seem nutty. And especially in the FTCA, I think we have the makings of the future of chiropractic. I agree. I think the marketplace is looking for the non-nutty chiropractor. And we can <laughs> turn that into a, a marketing slogan. <laughs> it, it's true. The non-nutty chiropractor. Right? Like people come into, when people come into my office and I ask them if they've been to a chiropractor before, <laughs> I, if they say yes, I try to find out who they went to and uh-huh. what it was like. And, you know, in half those cases, if not more, they're a little reticent to, the patient's a little reticent to tell you, and it wasn't a great experience. And I'll have some people come straight out and tell me, uh, I'm only here because my, my wife made me come. I'm only here because my friend made me come. I had a bad experience. Okay, well, we have those, right? And, and medicine has a ton of that too. It's not just us. But we also have people who haven't been before, and I'll say to them, oh, don't go. They're quacks. Mm-hmm. And I always get a laugh out of them for that. It's still there, but they know that when they come to see people like you and me, they're in good hands. Somebody's already vouched for us. We're not trying to sell them a 36, 72 visit thing right off the bat, yeah. right? We're, yeah. we're listening to them. Yeah, We are, and I think people are equally fed up with the medical model in a lot of ways too. Absolutely. Like they know they need the medical model for certain things and we know they need that. And heck, you and I refer to medical doctors plenty. All the time. But for the stuff that we excel at, they like the MD struggle at it and they really are doing a disservice a lot of times. Sometimes they don't realize it. I think they're uneducated a lot, frankly, in the type of musculoskeletal stuff that we do mm-hmm. and they don't have a good solution for them. And obviously with the whole opioid crisis and all the other things that have gone on, 
people are starting to get in tune with that and they're not wanting the surgery, not wanting the medication. They're not wanting that stuff. They're wanting an actual solution. And I think that's where, as you will probably agree with me, that's where we position ourselves well if we do a good job of it. Positioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are the legitimate or a legitimate because we're not the only ones. I mean, physical therapy is wonderful. We share mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of, of uh, approach with, with physical therapists, depending on the type of practice you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, people are looking for that. And the caution I have for, for young chiropractors coming out is stop trying to be medical doctors. I went to a tour school and tours will rail on this all the time. Why do you want to be a medical doctor? Why are you trying to be a metapractor? Now, look, diagnosis is important, super important. Yeah. But what we're treating is often a very functional thing that sort of eludes diagnosis. Diagno- diagnosis is a guess. And we do the best we can at it. But we treat people, and then we watch how that treatment goes. We need to pay better attention to the results of our treatment than other professions do because we don't have an automatic pipeline. So we can't just put on a white coat and just expect that people are going to listen to us. So let's... Let's talk about the automatic pipeline. Uh, this is why this is why I like talking to you. This is why I enjoyed our time in Vegas when we were at Parker Vegas, which is another great topic of how the profession is moving forward. But uh, you mm-hmm. and I always sit down, we have a good conversation, and, and I and always enjoy it and always re- uh, respect what you have to say on things. Let's talk about that that pipeline thing. And I think that's something that chiropractors come out graduating as a you know quote unquote doctor and. They're going to come out and they're going to have this pipeline. (laughs) 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 It's just so funny, man. I mean, I feel bad for the kids at the evidence-based schools for this because I feel like they are led to believe that when they come out, they're they're automatically part of mainstream healthcare. And then they come out and they're not. They come out and they believe all I have to do is be the best diagnostician and offer the best advice and treatment that I can, and I'm going to be great. Yeah. And that's just not how that thing works, man. That's not how it works. That's not, that's not where we are. Maybe we will be. Yeah. I don't know if it's five years or 10 years or 20 years, but we have never been there as far as I know. And, and not in my experience, I've never been there uh, or we've never been there as a community. And I don't know when that's going to happen. So when these kids are coming out, I feel like they've been sold a bill of goods in, this, in a different way than the kids at the tour schools have been sold a bill of goods, which is just adjust and you'll save humanity. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I think what a lot of times what they have going for them is they're uber passionate, right? Yes. And so that can really, that's like putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> and Well, they, at least they know they're outside the system to a certain extent. Exactly. You're right. They do. And the part of the problem with that is that in the end, if everybody thinks that way, we'll always be outside the system. Yeah. And so there's this growing pain that we're going through. It's, it's a lot of pains for a lot of us yeah. where we're trying to make that, we're trying to, to, to bridge that divide and the kids who are coming out expecting that divide already bridged or I feel like they're in the crosshairs. They are, they are. And it's, and it's tough because on one end, yes, if you are, if you come out of the gates and you are really good at what you do you know, exam and with your hands and soft tissue and adjustment, right? Like that's a huge mm-hmm. part of it, which we'll talk about. <laughs> um, yes. You know, if you come out of the gates with that, yes, you are ahead of the curve, but that what we're saying is that's not going to 
unfortunately, for the most part, there, there's definitely, just like anything else, there are outliers, but it's going to be very hard to just come in to the community and, and all of a sudden people are flocking to you for that. And so that's why, obviously, for me, what I think develops a thriving practice, and I've mentioned this before, is you got to be clinically sound, like you have to be, and we'll, we'll touch on that. But then two, you have to have good business acumen to a certain extent. And mm-hmm. part of that is understanding the fact that you're not part of this pipeline of patients coming through your doors and you're outside of that. And you're going to have to do the things it's going to take to to offset that. Three is is marketing strategy, which that's obviously what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. And then four I talk about is the community or sorry, the communication and the communication needs to be layered on all three of those. Like I truly believe to be a really good clinical chiropractor, your communication skills have to be good with your patients to be good at business. Your communication skills have to be good with your staff and your team and everything. And then obviously to have good marketing, your communication to your community has to be good. And so you really got to get proficient at all four of those. Now, if you happen to be a rock star marketer and a rock star communicator and your clinical is really good. You probably can be a little bit iffy on business because you just got more people and money coming in that you know what to do with and Mm -hmm. you can figure it out. As long as you don't start buying Ferraris and stuff, you can be fine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like it's kind of, that's the thing is like, I want these chiropractors and that's the same thing you and I talk about a lot is to understand what the reality of it is and be prepared for that and do what you need to to get through that. Yeah. I mean, you, you rattled off four jobs. Yeah, that's the problem. Four degrees too, right? Right. You need to be an expert in four different things. Yeah. And chiropractic school, if you're lucky, mm-hmm. taught you to be at least serviceable in one of those things. <laughs> yes. Serviceable is a good word. Serviceable, right? You come yeah. out of school, they, they call it practice for a reason. Yeah. You get better as you do it. You, you can't come out of school and expect that you know everything that you need to know about the people who are coming through your door and how to help them. That's number one. In chiropractic school for me at Life West, there were people who you knew were going to do well that were idiots. Yep. And there were people that you knew were going to do poorly who were brilliant. Yep. And the main difference between those two people were people skills, was charisma. Yeah. Right? Was confidence. And confidence is tough to teach. It is. Yep. It's tough to teach, but it has to be taught. It has to be built. And one of the things that I see now that is a big confidence drainer amongst the kids in school and the new docs is they feel that they, they don't, they haven't been exposed to enough. They don't know enough. And so they're taking a million different courses and then not learning to apply any of them really. Yeah. And they think that more letters after their name or a fancy job title is going to get them the respect that brings the people to them. Yeah. And patients don't care about any of that. Patients care about, can you help me? Do I really, as a patient, do I believe that you know you can help me? If, if I can't, as a pr- practitioner, look at my patient and say, this is what it is. This is what, what I think we should do. Here are the options you have. This is what I would do if I were you. But the, the choice is up to you. If I can't convey that to them in a way that shows that I'm confident mm-hmm. in what I know, then they're going to walk. 
they might come back for another visit or two, but if they don't, if they don't feel better immediately, they're gone. And that is sort of this mile wide, but inch deep problem that I see in our profession right now. People aren't picking a lane and staying in it. No, it's true. It's true. And actually, um, I'm collaborating with Motion Palpation Institute on a, we're going to do a virtual summit this year. And mm-hmm. we kind of worked through the the goal of this and, and we came up with the tagline, uh, building a better chiropractor. Nice. And that's what MPI is trying to do. And then obviously I'm collaborating with them on trying to help chiropractors with some of the marketing and business side of things. But what does building a better chiropractor to you mean? If, if you had to, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what does yeah, that mean? That's fine. I mean, but Bobby maybe always says that chiropractic is a, is a choose your own adventure yep. kind, of, kind of scenario. Yep. So you choose your own adventure. But what my point is, is that pick a thing mm-hmm. and see it to the end. Get really good at it. Exhaust it. Mm-hmm. Become a genius at that one thing. Yep. And then if that bores you, move on to the next thing. Yeah. That's a good point. That's really, that's really it. Like, but you have to pick your poison. You have to yeah. chiropractic. A lot of people in chiropractic are doing really well doing one thing and one thing only. Yeah. We have to remember that, right? In terms of treatment. Yes. Yeah. For better or worse, you might not agree with it. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. I, I came out of school and I found out really quickly and I was a good adjuster coming out of school. I have good hand-eye coordination. I was an athlete growing up. Adjusting came naturally to me. Yeah. I'm good at it. And I found out within the first six months of practice that the promises I got were not really true about adjusting. And I paid attention enough to figure that out pretty quickly. But some of these folks come out and they practice just adjusting. They do just fine. And yeah. so I, this, is, this is the thing I'd, I'd tell young docs today, even old docs today, pick a lane, become brilliant at one thing. Even if, like, I was reading an article about this guy uh, in New York before I moved back there. I remember seeing this article. This guy just does disc issues. Mm-hmm. Just. He does hour sessions. He charges an absorbent amount for hour sessions. Oh, and by the way, just neck disc issues. Hmm. He specializes in one thing. Mm-hmm. Neck disc issues. <laughs> Hour-long visits. I think at that time, and this is going back probably about 10 years, at that time, he was charging like $500 an hour. Wow. And right, but he was that guy. Now yeah. we can't all get to that. Yeah. But pick a lane and then surround yourself with people who do things differently than you do, whether they're chiropractors. That's another problem we have in our profession. We don't refer to each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody comes in with a neurological problem, somebody comes in and they've got some sort of basal ganglionic symptoms. Or, or, or findings on an exam, we don't send them to a chiropractic neurologist necessarily. We send yeah. them to a medical neurologist. That's now, the part of that's right. Part of that's a problem with chiropractic neurology, but mm-hmm. we need to bridge that gap. But having yeah. in my, my office, we have acupuncture, we have personal training. Yeah. And you're going like, to circle back to that hourly thing that we were talking about. So we hear these kids talking about, well, I'm doing, I'm doing 45 minute sessions and I'm charging 90 bucks. And they're chiropractors. Yeah. And my wife, who's a personal trainer, she charges more than that for 45 minutes. And she didn't, she didn't have to spend $200,000 on an education. Well, that's the thing. There's legitimately chiropractors out there making less money than massage and therapists and personal trainers. And I don't say Absolutely. that. And you don't say that to knock those no. other professions. But not I at mean, all. We went to school for a long time and racked up a lot of debt. And we have a skill set that is pretty awesome. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> 
you know, and, and if we utilize it correctly and, you know, we should be charging for our results, not necessarily the time, or mm-hmm. if you are going to spend the time, then you're going to have to layer in that component of it as well. Cause just ultimately you had, if, if anybody could take one thing out of anything that I talk about ever, or what you're talking about in this podcast today is, is you got to make the math work because otherwise yeah. you're going to drive yourself insane and you're going to burn out and you're going to blame the profession and everything else versus mm-hmm. the fact that you just, you just didn't do what it took to make the math work. And we're laying that out there for you now. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I want to shift gears just a little bit. Okay. You're going to forward in St. Louis this year, right? Hells yes. All right, good. I was going to hang up on you. <laughs> and I know Bobby had just announced in uh, the Facebook group, the guest speaker, and I, you know, just looking over the list, I'm pretty excited to go. I mean, obviously last year was amazing and we all hung out in Parker Vegas and that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to go to this again. What are you excited about as far as this particular one? Let's put last year's in the rearview mirror. It was amazing. We all know that. What are you excited about uh, St. Louis in September? Well, a lot of things, man. A lot of things. I, uh, I mean, first of all, our community has grown. Mm-hmm. Our FTC, FTCA family has grown by leaps and bounds over the last year. Yeah. We have a lot of people that we got to get together with and break bread with mm-hmm. and share stories with and share ideas with. Because the cross-pollination that happened last year, yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we're talking now, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, there's whole groups of people who are doing projects. Me and Massey are doing a project together because of stuff we started talking about a year ago yeah. at Forward in Kansas City. So that's number one. That's the thing that, that you're not going to get that anywhere else at any other seminars the way you're going to get that at a Forward seminar. Yeah. You're just not. It is a family event, and it is there's no... There's no BS there. No. You don't have to sift through a bunch of CBS. That's for sure. Uh, right? <laughs> so you get to spend time with people who think like you or differently, differently than you, but a, enough alike that you guys can speak the same language and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the best. That was I mean, the, easily the best continuing education program I've ever done in my life yeah. in my 23 years of practice was last year in Kansas City at Forward. So I'm super excited about that part. Yep. I'm also super excited about Gray Cook. Yeah, he's awesome. The way I practice, I would describe it as Gray Cook influenced chiropractic. <laughs> That's I, pretty cool. Right? I think he he's seen as a genius, but I don't think his genius is seen clearly enough. He's he's just a brilliant guy. I'm really excited for the World of Hurt presentation. Yep. I think that uh more the more and more we learn about about diagnostic criteria and subgrouping, the better. I think that's going to be amazing. I mean, the lineup, the Kawchuk, yep. come on. I, Friedman, Massey, mm-hmm. uh, we, you, we just, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting, I'm excited. We're getting hit. I'm so excited for this. I, you know, if we could do this three or four times a year, I would do it three or four times a year. Well, I'm in for forward no matter what, even if I'm not speaking and I I'm also in for Parker each year, even if I'm not speaking, those are on my list for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. It's a tribe and it's also, you learn a ton and then mm-hmm. you just learn it. You learn a ton, just uh, kind of chatting over a tequila with people too. Right. 
Absolutely. That's where so much, so much happens. That's where you, that's where you find certain nitty gritty details about the profession. You didn't know were going on because you, you practice in a different part of the country. There's no way you'd know. Either over tequila or pancakes. Cause I, I wanted to thank you. Uh, you came down and had breakfast with me the morning before my talk at Parker. I was mm-hmm. uh, definitely on edge. That was the biggest venue I had speaking at, spoken at. And uh, you came down and always uh, lend a good solid amount of advice. And we just had some breakfast and it went well. I, I thank you for that. Oh, well, you're welcome, man. I, I mean, you killed that. And behind your back, I tell everybody that I imbued you with my confidence. Exactly. And that's why that happened. So <laughs> I feel like a proud papa. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was fun. You know, I know obviously we'll be uh, hanging out again in, in St. Louis. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited about everything. I'm excited about what you and Dr. Michael Massey have going on. He's touched base a little bit on that. I know I'm not sure how much you guys are talking in public about that yet, but I'm excited for it. Uh, not at all just yet. Yeah. We want to have it a little more built before we bring it out to show everybody absolutely before we open the hood and let people look under the engine yeah but we're excited about it couldn't be led by two better guys in the profession so exciting times uh any last words of wisdom to our audience oh gosh well listen to kevin christie as much as you can guys honestly (laughs) there's there's no seriously you talk about a man who has his finger on the pulse of the profession and who sees things in a 360 degree sort of purview that is the man you're listening to right now. There's a reason why he's bringing all this stuff to you. It's all important. Now, you may never be great at all of it, but you should know as much as you can about as much of it as possible. So I dive in with Kevin Christie immediately if you can. Well, I appreciate that. I do. I really do. And it's, it's been fun trying to help out as much as I can or for, with whatever I can. So You're doing a good job, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. The, pro- so. the profession appreciates it. Well, our audience, I know a lot of them are already FTCA members, but um, I know, and I know there is a uh, kind of qualification of joining the Facebook group, but uh, how else could they find you? I know they could find you in there uh, for sure, but how else? You can find me online. We have a Facebook page for Cairo Fitness, Cairo Fitness in Oakland, California. Our website is CairoFitness.net and shoot me a message. If you have any questions about anything that we've talked about today, I'll be happy to field it. Well, I appreciate your time. Hey, man. I appreciate you having me on. Before I let you go, I want to give you three ways that we could potentially work together in helping growing your practice. First is the Chiropractic Success Academy, and it's an online academy with a closed Facebook group, a monthly Zoom call as a group, and we really work through a lot of key aspects of growing your business, such as marketing, business, the clinical side of things, and also the mindset. And we have a great academy built out with all kinds of information you'd want that you can go through at your own pace. We have, for new members, a kind of a game plan of following these first set of modules so you don't get overwhelmed and then go from there. We bounce ideas around in the Facebook group. You have some access to myself and Dr. Bobby Maybe, And you can find that at bit.ly, B-I-T L-Y slash your CSA circle. So that's number one way you can work with me. Number two, another way we can work together is through the CSA retreat we're having in Portland, Oregon. And that's going to be June 21st through 23rd. And that's where we're going to really dive one-on-one live as a group and get into the details of growing your practice. And we've got some special guests coming to that, Dr. Josh Satterley, Dr. Aaron Jorgensen. And you can find that at bit.ly.ly 
slash CSA retreat. And then lastly, we're doing so I'm doing some one-on-one coaching. I've got uh, some chiropractors we're working with. If you're interested in that, where you have a coach and you have someone holding you accountable and we get really clear on the modern chiropractic marketing principles. And that is the coaching is MCM mastery. And if you're interested in that, you can go to bit.ly slash MCM coach, and you can check out that information or contact me at Kevin at modern And I can discuss it more with you. So hope those are some ways where you think we can work together and help grow together. And I appreciate everything that I've learned from you. And I love sharing some of the stuff I've been able to learn through interviewing people and doing this for 15 years in private practice. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.